Mets fans. Uh, I would say this is probably the biggest guest we've ever had for our uh, great Mets loyal fans here throughout the Two Mets podcast. We have a retired NHL player from the Toronto Maple Leafs, the Colorado Rockies, and the Calgary Flames. He is the chairman of the Hockey Hall of Fame. He is in the Hockey Hall of Fame. He's played over 1,100 games. He's scored over 1,100 points. And we'd like to welcome Lenny McDonald to the Two Mets podcast. Lenny, how's it going? It is going great. It's great. Uh, even though you're like based in Edmonton, it is so good to talk to you because I know there's some secret Calgary Flames fans hanging out. So can't wait to do this. Yes. Yeah, we have uh, we have a few of them. We'll get to, to all that in a second here. And uh, Phil is just grinning ear to ear right now. And uh, any of our fans know Phil loves the Flames. But uh, we want to uh, obviously talk about our, our good friend, Mike Fuda, who helped set this interview up and uh, what an amazing person he is. Um, can you talk about Mike Fuda? Uh, I know you guys had the the great hockey day in Canada at Owen Sound. He told me uh, a great story that you uh, you do it at events as you leave your Hall of Fame ring, your Stanley Cup ring, sitting there for kids to kind of take a look at. Uh, so he kind of told me a bit of a funny story today, but how important it is to kind of you know have that moment with him and. And obviously the, a big tie that we're, you know, doing uh, amazing things for the Amazing Grace Foundation here too. Well, when he called the other day to say, would you consider doing this? Uh, absolutely, Mike. Uh, Mike and I have been friends for a few years through another uh, guy that uh, played on that 89 team, Colin Patterson. And when Mike asked if I would do it, I said, uh, absolutely. We had such a great time. Uh, at uh, Scotiabank Hockey Day in Canada, uh, hanging out together. And and yes, that is true. I set my rings out for kids to try on, take pictures with. Uh, I do it, the same thing at banquets. And the, the longest they've ever been missing is four hours. <laughs> and I even forgot I had given them out. And it was a banquet in Calgary for about... 600 people and this gentleman's waiting on the side and I'm always the last guy to leave and I said can I help you sir and he said well you might want these back and it was my rings and I had totally forgotten that I had handed them out so yeah I definitely took that gentleman to the bar and bought him a beer for god's sakes Nice. Well, that's that's awesome, and yeah, we, with Mike always being a part of our podcast, we've always donated to the Amazing Grace uh, Foundation. I know that uh, that means a lot to him, and and uh, you know the the story is uh, very heartbreaking, but what um, the cause kind of does and the money that it goes to and helping others is very special. I don't know if you want to kind of talk about that a little bit before we kind of dive into your career here and whatnot. Uh, absolutely. Uh, we, we look uh, at it, uh, uh, you pay it forward, you pass it on. Uh, Mike's done an unbelievable job, and especially with the Amazing Grace uh, Foundation. Uh, he sent me pictures uh, uh, of uh, her and uh, the team in Los Angeles and talk about a heartbreaking uh, moment looking at the pictures, but at the same time, knowing that people like Mike are trying to help make a difference uh, for so many different people down the road. And I think that's all of our responsibility. And, and you feel so much better uh, 
not only about yourself, but uh, being involved in, and there are so many people less fortunate than ourselves. Yes, very well said. And that is true. And um, one of the uh, cool foundations we'll get to at the end, um, uh, but I'll, uh, I'll, I'll leave that as a little tease and um, something that's going to be near and dear to your heart here in August. And uh, that's at the, in Red Deer at the, the Child Advocacy Center, the Battle of Alberta and all the yep. uh, foundation and, um, and the alumni help out on that. But I'll toss the puck over to, to Clay Vanderham here. Vandy, there you go, buddy. Take it away. Well, can I call you Uncle Lanny? Oh, come on. Uh, it, it, like, how long How long have you been holding that one in? It, it, a long time, because you, you remind me of, of this, you're the typical Alberta boy making it and, and just doing so well. And, and, and it, every time I see you talk and your personality comes out whenever you speak. So um, first and foremost, I want to congratulate you and your wife, Ardell. 40, 48 years? 48 years today. Congratulations. Well, um, thank you. Well, Pretty cool. Yes. Yeah. Is. I mean, that and it's, I mean, forget everything else, but let's, I like to go back. I'm a minor hockey coach. I grew up coaching minor hockey. I coach my two boys now. And, and where did it all begin? Where, where did it begin for Lanny? Uh, you know, my my dad had this love of sport and love of hockey, and he instilled a love uh, of any sport into all four of us kids. And I was really lucky. I had a brother that was four years older, and he always let me play with with his friends, uh, and and especially at school. And he had two rules: if you can't keep up, you're out of the game. You're out of the game. And if you whine about anything, you're out of the game. So it was probably the best thing because I was playing with older kids all the time. And that actually helped me not only from a skating standpoint, but uh, when the big boys run over you at center ice, like you dust yourself off, you get back in the play. You don't uh, especially whine on the sidelines or I knew I was done for yeah. Now, did did I know Dad was probably busy, but did he did he have any influence other than you know coaching wise, or were there any coaches that that had influence on you growing up? Or oh yeah, yeah. Dad Dad taught us all how to play the game. Uh, he was a stay at home defenseman with the Hand Hill Bronx. Uh, they played in the number nine highway league. And wow. it, it was so cool to be able to to uh, watch uh, uh, him not only play the game, he was captain of the, the team, and you could see uh, the love uh, affair he had with sport. Uh, he curled, uh, he played baseball, and, and he took over the family farm when he was 15 years old uh, because his dad sadly died of a heart attack on the farm and he was the oldest boy and had a grade eight education but that old boy was brilliant he had uh farm smarts and street smarts like you would not believe and he did everything that happened in the community he was uh, right in there uh, uh pitching in when other people uh, needed help and that helped kind of 
pave the way and and build a foundation for everything that I was doing later in life. So where you um you started in did you grow up in Hannah or was it Craig Mile? That it, it was actually neither. It was neither. eleven miles straight south of uh, Craig Mile, twenty-two miles from Hannah, and when I started playing hockey at seven and a half years old, dad or mom would drive me in. Uh, and most of the time we were late because we were doing chores or milking cows or whatever. And I'd get dressed in the car on the way to uh, practice. And lots of times I was late for practice and dad would dump me over the boards and away I'd go. And like loved every second of it. Uh, couldn't get enough of it. And I had a coach uh, for seven straight years by the name of Ron Howery. And Ron, every time uh, we would move up, uh, buddy George McRae, uh, his dad owned the newspaper and George was a great player. And uh, we, we ended up uh, going to uh, for a tryout with the Lethbridge Sugar Kings. And both of us made the team. And it was the coolest thing to to be able to grow up together, then play junior hockey uh, together. And yeah, I couldn't ask for uh, anything more. I remember a quick story when uh, when I made the team, I phoned uh, back because we were staying in the hotel. I phoned back and said, uh, Mom, uh, please tell Dad, because uh, I had asked her where he was. And she said, he's out in the field. And uh, I said, well, tell dad I made the team, love you, uh, and I'm not coming home, and hung up the phone. Well, they were there in, in three and a half hours. And, and mom said, no, your education's more important. You're coming home. Uh, what do you think, uh, Lauren? And dad said to me, uh, well, what do you want to do, Lenny? And I said, dad, I love the game. Wanna want to stay. And he said, you know what this means? And I said, I don't know. And he said, well, I'm turning the calves back out on the cows. <laughs> because I had to milk the cows uh, morning and night, five, five cows. So that was dad's way of saying yes. Well, mom didn't speak to him for two months after that. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. Um, uh, and the Sugar Kings, that was ADHL, right? Alberta Junior Hockey League back in the day? Yeah. Yep. Uh, and played with John Davidson, and we still laugh about that today. At one time, uh, John Davidson was chairman of the selection committee at the Hockey Hall of Fame, and I was chairman of the hall. We're riding to the airport, and he pulls this picture out of the two of us from the Lethbridge Sugar Kings, and we started to laugh. Like, here's two old sodbusters uh, running the Hockey Hall of Fame. Unbelievable. I have family. We, I was actually just in Lethbridge and Tabor, Blyland, that area um, this weekend. I still have lots of family down there. And the reason why I call you Uncle Lanny is you remind me of my Uncle Larry, that just, you know, the personality and you're just always happy and, and jovial and, and whatnot. But so after Lethbridge, I guess where I'm going, at what point do you kind of, I'm pretty good at this game. Other than having the nickname 
or or the middle name of King, which you're destined to be, you know, King Kong, <laughs> winning the Hall of Famer. But but at what you know when do you realize that you're man, I'm pretty good at this? You know, that first year in Lethbridge, uh, I scored the first goal, and I think I scored the last goal, and I only scored one goal in between uh, in that first year. And uh, I had broken ribs. My landlady had to pull me out of bed in the morning because I couldn't roll over five broken ribs. And But I still loved the game. And then the next year, I tie uh, for... Uh, the scoring race and win the MVP of the Alberta Junior Hockey League. And at that point, I thought, okay, I I might have a chance here. And then going to Lethbridge, and I was center iceman at that time, uh, sorry, going to Medicine Hat, and Jack Shoup, uh, the coach, said, Lanny, uh, here's the deal. We got Tom Lysiak, we got Stan Weir, you're going to be the third center iceman have you ever thought of playing right wing? And I said, well, what are you thinking? And he said, play right wing with Tom Lysiak because you guys can be together for two years. I said, I'm in. And that was the best thing that ever happened. Uh, And I hated people when they, when you took the face offs and they wrecked my new tape job and I had to go back to the bench and retape my stick all the time. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like that too. I like the white tape. <laughs> so. Oh my God. Our NHL news and notes segment is brought to you by Sheena Boychuk. Yes, you heard that last name right. That's Sheena Boychuk. As a licensed realtor, Sheena has you covered to buy and sell your home in this hot market. She also offers home consulting services to help you upgrade your living space. Check her website out at SheenaBoychuk.com and tell her the Two Mods podcast sent you. Realty by Design, your design approach to real estate. Mutz fans, so much going on right now in the live sporting events, concerts, everything going on. You know, you got wrestling events, you got the NBA, you got the NFL, you got hockey coming back, like so much going on. So use the promo code 2MutzPod when you guys go to SeatGeek. Download the SeatGeek app or go to SeatGeek.com and get $20 off your purchase for these live events. You guys won't be disappointed. They'll help you on the bucks, you know, save that $20, get you a couple beers, maybe some popcorn, whatever you want for that, saving that $20 going in. And, you know, use these live events, man. There's so much going on right now. Uh, This is the greatest time. Um, All these sports are firing back up. So all four major sports will be ready to go. Then you guys got the Drake concerts, the T-Swift concerts. There's so much happening right now so, so many great events to be a part of so don't be disappointed when you guys go to seekgeek.com and use the promo code two months pod all capitals that's the promo code two months pod all capitals to get twenty dollars off your purchase so we've got young listeners my kids listen um trevor another another co-host of ours, their kids are 14, 15 years old. So you didn't have billets? How old were you when you were in Lethbridge Medicine Hat? Did you have billets or? Yep, had had billets. I was 15 years old, uh, stayed with the Saban family and in Lethbridge, they had one son, uh, Doug. Uh, he was 15. Uh, the dad uh, worked at the Pilsner Brewery and okay. and every Friday would would come home with a case of beer. And if we played well, 
maybe I shouldn't be saying this. If he played well, maybe you could have a half a beer on Friday night. Uh, that was our reward for working hard in school. And, and uh, it was so much fun uh, growing up that way, loving the game and having people that treated you like their own son. And then to be drafted uh, uh, by uh, actually uh, Calgary, uh, they held my rights. But a guy by the name of John Sinkpeel was drafted to Medicine Hat. And they wanted to keep me in the Calgary organization. And they could either take uh, one player, not John Davidson, off of the Lethbridge uh, team or anyone else. And I was that anyone else. And, you know, things happen for a reason. You end up going to Medicine Hat, the Tom Lysiak thing, the Jack Shoup, uh, who was a great coach for me. And uh, uh, you end up finding a way to make it all the way to uh, Toronto, the team I dreamed of playing for. Absolutely. Wow. It's just incredible. And then, I mean, staying in those small communities helps as well. You still got that at-home feeling. You're not in the big city or anything like that. No, I think it was it was great. And there was such a great fan base, both in Lethbridge uh, and in Medicine Hat, uh, the Medicine Hat Tigers uh, and how much fun was that? And at that time, it was a new arena, and they had the double seats. And sometimes you didn't even sit with your own wife because she was one seat over, depending on how the seats were arranged. It was hilarious, and, and but it was so much fun. And I worked at the Glen Sather Hockey School for uh, four years up in Banff, and he always told me... Uh, if and when you make it to the pros, it becomes a job. So enjoy junior hockey because that will be the best time of your life. And it not only certainly was, uh, I love junior hockey and, and love to be able to play in front of family and friends. And then met my dear wife, Ardell, in Medicine Hat. She was a figure skater and was always on the ice just before. So I might have kept an eye on her uh, every once in a while and finally got brave enough to ask her out. Good for you. Billy, I'll toss the puck over to you, buddy. I, I'm, I'm licking my chops at Calgary Flames stuff. So I'm going to actually let Bosco uh, talk to Lanny about Toronto and then it's, it's on with the flames. So I'll, I'll let Bosco just intercept his go, pass yeah. here for a sec. <laughs> Love yeah, it. Pick, pick you off at the point here, um, Phil, but uh uh, talk about your time in Toronto. Um, that's a team that's uh, near, like I, I'm a big Leaf fan and I'm a big Flame fan. So everyone, anyone that knows me knows that I cheer for both teams and, um, you know, amazing organizations, amazing people. And we were just talking about uh, another amazing person in Brad Tree Living taking over in Toronto. But your time in Toronto, how would you explain that? And how exciting was that for you uh, when you made it to the NHL and all the great players you got to play with in Toronto too? Oh, it was the time of my life. Uh, my dad and I used to listen to Foster Hewitt uh, on the radio. Uh, like, And you, you closed your eyes and you thought you were in Maple Leaf Gardens. And I remember the first time uh, being there. And a reporter, uh, it was before training camp started, and a reporter by the name of John Iaboni 
uh, asked if he could do an interview. I was sitting in a dark arena and just the light was coming in through the uh, through the uh, entrances. And I asked him, can you just wait 10 minutes? I just want to sit here and soak this in. And and he said, oh, sure. So he moved way over another section over and got up and we became great friends because he understood how much it meant to me just to be able to sit there and try and get a great feeling for Maple Leaf Gardens. And to be able to put on that that jersey and and I walk in the dressing room and it's number seven. And right away, I think of Tim Horton and think, oh, my gosh, like, how cool is this? And, yeah, I struggled for two years uh, trying to find a way to, to I, like, I knew it was inside me. I just couldn't get it out and, and get my confidence. And then in year three, things just took off. Surprise, surprise, that was the year I got married. And when you uh, share, uh, especially with the, my dear wife, Ardell, uh, like the high points and low points, and she can either pat you on the back or kick you in the butt and get you going. Yeah, uh, It worked out unbelievable. And then to be able to play on the same line with uh, Daryl, and half the time Tiger uh, Williams and half the time Errol Thompson. Uh, and Daryl and I are still best friends today. But today we don't talk about goals and assists. We talk about kids and grandkids. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> um, one of the things I don't think maybe we do enough here on the podcast and, um, you know, and, and we have to do it today because it's the wedding anniversary. But how important um, was your wife uh, to your to your career? Um, cause you know, when we look at hockey players, um, that's a big part of their career and maybe they don't get enough recognition as possible as, as, as is, but, uh, talk about the, what she's done for you, um, throughout your career and even after, after your career with the people you help, the people you guys cared for, the people you guys love along the way in your life. Well, without family, you have nothing. Right. And uh, we have four kids, two girls, two boys, uh, eight grandkids. We spend all of our time together. Everyone thinks we're crazy, uh, but we love hanging out together. And we have so much fun together. And Ardell is such a huge part of that. And you're absolutely right. They don't get enough credit. And especially when you get traded uh, in the middle of a season, they're left behind, you jump on a plane and take off, and you automatically, uh, you'd like to think you automatically have 20 friends when you walk into the dressing room, but they're left packing up things, trying to look after the kids, uh, and then trying to get on a plane to come and join you. Um, and people don't realize how tough that uh, is sometimes, uh, but I could not have done that with this whole thing without her. Uh, all of our kids understand Special Olympics, Children's Hospital, Ronald McDonald House. They know how important it is uh, to me, and it's become a part of their lives as well. Uh, that's so beautiful. It's uh, 
one of the things I always hear about you is the heart you have for others and that heart that um, opens up to many other people and, uh, you know, so much they can learn from uh, a great person like you, your wife, your kids. Um, I, I, I'm kind of speechless. Like, it's it, it's amazing um, to have you on. And uh, this is episode 200 for us. I don't think we ever thought it. Episode hey, it's your anniversary. It is our anniversary, too. Yeah. <laughs> so, so, um, so, yeah, it's it kind of just all pretty coincides together and uh i'm a believer of faith and i think god makes it makes magic work a lot and it's kind of a cool little thing that you know god was able to give us an awesome opportunity to interview you and uh another good question before i toss toss it over to phil that i like to know is uh um it's a kind of a two-part who was your mentor in toronto and who did you mentor uh along the way in toronto as well before you uh went out to colorado and then further with the calgary flames so the guy that that uh, really helped me was Ronnie Ellis, uh, who was a right winger, and he took me under his wing right away. And I said, Ronnie, if at some point I'm going to like end up taking your job. And he said, no, that's good. That's what we do. Like, you need to uh, do the same thing that I'm trying to help you with uh, later in your career. And he was absolutely right. And Daryl Sittler was the other guy that uh, we spent all of our time together. Ardell and Wendy, his wife, were best friends uh, back then. And and, uh, it's so much fun when you have close friends and especially teammates that you can rely on and uh, maybe get your head out of your butt, like, come on, we got some work to do here. Let's, let's uh, roll up our sleeves and get it done. Uh, and he was one of those guys that wasn't afraid to tell teammates, hey, listen, this, this is the way it is. This is what we got to do. And I love playing with a guy. I had a very funny story. Uh, I get a call from his daughter the other day. And I hope Freddie's not listening to this, but, uh, Freddie, uh, Daryl's grandson, has been a, and they live in Toronto, has been a, a fun and, and a big fan of this old guy. And we go to visit him when we're in Toronto. And all he wanted for his birthday come up in 10 days is a Lanny McDonald jersey, not a Daryl Siddler jury, jersey. <laughs> so I can't wait for for the birthday and Daryl opens it up or uh, Freddie opens it up and Daryl's there and it's going to be a Lanny Jersey, not a Daryl Jersey. Yes. I got him. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) That's beautiful. That's so beautiful. Um, I guess one more and it it would be remiss not to ask. We saw the, the, the great tribute for Boreas Salming and, and you were there for it in Toronto and, and um, we, uh, we lost him shortly after, but uh, um how important do you think that was for him, for you guys, and for the hockey community, for him to get that that send-off, that standing ovation, and what a powerful night that was for you guys? Well, it was, it was a powerful weekend for all of us, but especially Boria and his entire family, and I, I thank Larry Tannenbaum uh, and the Toronto Maple Leafs uh, in person because they stepped up and brought his entire family over, uh, put them up in in uh, the hotel in Toronto, 
everything was first class. And even for Borea's family to understand how he was revered and looked up to by the rest of the hockey world, I don't think they had any clue uh, how good the, and, and how much love uh, everyone uh, poured out towards Borea. I was not surprised when he passed away shortly after. I saw him the day after the Hall of Fame inductions, which sadly he was too weak to get to, but went back to Sweden uh, the day after. And I saw him for about an hour and a half, and he was absolutely exhausted. And I I hugged him, and we cried together on on the way out the door, uh, believing that I just hoped he could get home safely. Uh, he did. He was honored as uh, the top defenseman of all time with Lind- Lindstrom uh, at the 100th anniversary of Swedish hockey, uh, which was such a huge honor, and then two days later passed away. Uh, but the tributes uh, for him and his family were absolutely fantastic and so well-deserved. Yeah. It's, uh, it's one thing we love about the game is the recognition we, uh, that we hand out to those, um, that do so much for, uh, for our enjoyment on our couches in the stands, uh, all that. It's, uh, it's quite, quite the thing to see. This public service announcement is brought to you by our friends at CDN. Here's a crazy thought. Not all team wear needs a team logo. Stand out in the crowd and rep your team colors with one of CDN's hockey hats. Listen, these hats are phenomenal. We just got ours a little while ago and we've been wearing them nonstop. You know when you find a hat you love and you just can't take it off? Yep, that's how we feel with our CDN hat. Every time we wear it out, we get asked, where did you get that hat? I know what you're thinking. How can I get one? Cue the details. Shop online 24-7 at www.wearecdn.ca and use the promo code 2MUTS for 15% off your order. Again, that's www.wearecdn.ca to get your new favorite hat and use the discount code 2MUTS at checkout for 15% off your order. Now back to the show. Bill, I'm going to toss the puck over to you, my friend, the diehard Flames fan with uh, the legend Lanny McDonald now. Well, first of all, uh, hearing you were coming on, I t- pay homage to you. I, I shaved a little mustache here. Oh. So I want your honest assessment. What do, what do you think of it? The first mustache I've ever had in my life, and just, just for you today. No, it like, there, can you go a little more into the light? I can't quite. Oh, there. Oh, it yeah. is there. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. It, you know, you can throw a little fertilizer on that, and <laughs> like in 10, 10 years' time, you'll be right there. There. All right. I, I just needed some advice from you. So, um, We'll we'll definitely do that. And uh, you know, just another quick thing to speak to speak to your character, Lanny. Uh, I was I was fortunate enough I got to meet you with my with my two little boys and my wife in in St. Albert at Craft Hockeyville. And yeah, um, you know, the lineup behind us was huge. 
And, you know, that was just an afterthought to you. I just really appreciated the time you spent with us. And, uh, you know, the lineup behind us didn't mean a thing to you. You just gave us your full attention and didn't rush us along. And you would, I think you would have chatted to me for an hour because we were talking <laughs> flames here in St. Albert, Edmonton area. So that doesn't I just happen thank very you often. For that. I know, <laughs> no, I know. And, you know, living here in enemy territory, like when I get a chance to talk flames to somebody, like I'm taking it. So, well, um, good, good for you. Keep that up. And, <laughs> That was so much fun uh, being in St. Albert. Uh, what, a, what a great event and great, great time uh, for hockey fans. Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, and so yeah, thank you for that. And uh, But we'll move to the, to the Calgary Flames, unless you got something to say about the Colorado Rockies. Uh, you know what? Uh, Don Cherry was the coach uh, for, for <laughs> that first year I was there. And it, I... I think Don would be. How was Graves as a coach? Oh, you know what? Graves was not a great coach. He, he was. He, there was not a whole lot of X and O's. It was all about uh, hard work, determination, yeah. being physical, uh, and bring your best game uh, every night. And yeah. he was a great motivator, and I loved playing for him. And some guys. Uh, might not have liked how grapes rubbed him the wrong way. A very quick story about grapes. Uh, grapes had the dog Blue, and and Blue sat right outside his office, and we would go into the dressing room, turn left, and Grapes' office was on the right. And Blue sat right at the, the turn, and you knew you had to walk in slowly, and this reporter... Uh, from New York the day of a game comes racing in. He's trying to get his story races around the corner. Blue gets up, grabs him by the back of the, the pants, shaking the poor guy all over the place. The guy is trying to kick, get the dog off him. We're yelling for grapes. And finally he goes down in a heap. Grapes comes in and we're yelling, grapes, help the guy, help the guy. He said, guys, see that? That's how I want you tonight. Hungry, just like blue. <laughs> that, that was his team speech. That was it. That's all we needed all right there. That could be that could be the greatest story in too much history, right there, I think. Oh my that God. Was, <laughs> it was it was I could tell you a hundred great stories, but we probably don't have that much time. But yeah. Yeah, I I love playing for him. Uh, I'm going all the time never the home, but Odell's going to want you to take take her out for dinner, though. No, we're all good. Uh, <laughs> I would have. I was so sad when Grapes got fired at the end of that year. Uh, it was a it was a contest between him and Ray Muron, the general manager, and Ray Muron got fired halfway through the next year uh, anyway. Um, but. Uh, yeah, I would have played for him forever. But better things happen in Calgary. Yes, exactly. There you go. So you get so you, so you get traded to Calgary. Um, so so how did that feel? Did it feel like I'm coming home? Was it like a definitely like a homecoming? Like were you relieved to to be getting out of Colorado? How did that feel? No, it. Whenever you get traded, your first feeling is, oh my gosh, they don't want me anymore. And uh, then you realize. Oh, well, hold it. Like 
That's that's even a better team. We're in last place in Colorado. When you're mathematically eliminated from the playoffs at the end of October, it's hard to get up for the rest of the year. And and I, I remember uh, people like uh, Rob Ramage and Joel Quenville and and uh, Steve Tambellini grabbed me when I got traded and said, "Lenny, get on the plane!" Like we had just landed in Winnipeg when I got told. I was going back to Calgary and right away you're thinking, Oh man, they gave up on me. But then you realize the other team uh, maybe wants you. And I was actually worried coming back so close to family and friends. Like, was I going to like be well re- uh, received? And they were trading away two very popular guys in Bobby McMillan and Don Lever. Uh, and um, the way that it worked out, coming to Calgary and eventually becoming captain and uh, finding a way to, first of all, beat the Oilers, and secondly, uh, lose to Montreal and thinking you're going right back the next year, and it takes you three more years to get back, and thank goodness we finally won it against that same Montreal team uh, three years later. Yeah, like I like and just just looking at your stats, like when you got to Calgary, like in 82, 83, like 66 goals, like what happened that season? And for the young viewers, my kids, Trevor's kids, Brody's kids included, you, Lanny was running with Wayne that that year. That was so much fun. I bet. Uh, yeah. And we went to the all-star game that year uh, and we both had four, uh, one game left and I'll never forget it. Uh, he scores two goals the night before to go to 44 and I'm at 42. Now, and, are you thinking as an individual, are you thinking, I, Oh, okay. He got two. I got to get two tonight. Or, you know, it, it, no, it was actually my teammates were driving me crazy. Like, come on, Lanny, like Wayne got two last night. Like, what are you going to do? And I think I had, and they would have open nets. They'd pass me the puck. Like, no, we got to get three goals. And I actually scored three goals against Pittsburgh that night to go to the all-star game, him with 44 and me with 45. It was like, wow, this is pretty cool. Uh, And, but I I wouldn't have scored one that night unless my teammates were so unselfish. And that's what the greatest part about this game is. And for all young kids listening, like enjoy your friendships because they last a lifetime uh, playing this game. Uh, And you, whether you make it to the pros or you play senior hockey or pickup hockey after those are some of those people uh boys and girls that you're playing against are going to be your best friends for the rest of your life very very true yeah so true and and i and i yeah i tell my my boys that all the time i'm sure clay you tell your kids the same thing right so such such solid advice lanny for sure uh so let's go to 85 86 Stanley Cup, we lose it. How how are you feeling after that? Like, are you feeling like that could have been my last chance? 
absolutely. Uh, wow. But you still look around the dressing room and think, well, that really sucks. But hey, we, we've got the makings of a great team here. We're going to go right back next year. And right back next year took three more years. You lose to Winnipeg. You lose to Edmonton. And uh, even in 89, uh, we could have easily lost to, uh, to Vancouver. Right. If Mike Vernon doesn't stand on his head in overtime in game seven, or we would have been absolutely like on the sidelines. It, it could have been devastating. And even though El McGinnis won the, the con smite that year, uh, Mike Vernon probably could have won it or been co-winner uh, that year as well. And he went on to win it in uh, the con Smythe uh, with Detroit a few years later. It tells you what a great goalie he was uh, being only, and Michael never admitted, maybe 5'7". Uh, he tells everyone 5'10". Yeah. <laughs> yeah, we'll we'll get to Mike Vernon uh, in a little bit here. But yeah, so so lose it in in 86 and then let's talk about 89 then now let's get right to the right to what everybody's here for so uh you're in and out of the lineup in the finals right how 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 like how are you feeling about going into that game like 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 was crispy pretty pretty clear with you that okay when we start getting close you're getting back in there or was he like unsure or like are you guys unsure? Like, how does that work? How did you guys decide who's playing? We had extra guys. There was probably five different players in and out of the lineup. Yuri Herdina, Tim Hunter, Jim Poplinski. Uh, I think Mark Hunter sat out uh, a couple of games. And obviously myself, uh, you, you don't find out till after warm-up. Am I going? Am I not? And you, you, you're obviously devastated that you're not in the lineup because you always believe you can make a difference. And it's interesting in hockey when you first start, you're fighting for ice time. Then in the middle, you become a star or you'd like to think you're a star. And then at the end, you're back fighting for ice time. And it's a part of of sport uh, that sometimes is much harder for other people. Uh, I still believed I could contribute when uh, they, they told me the news in game six that I was playing because I didn't play game three, four or five. Um, and I, at that time I had no idea who else was either in the lineup or out of the lineup. And that's why it was so important after the game when the Stanley Cup was handed to me, that the other two assistants, Jim Poplinski and Timmy Hunter, were back on the ice, and I called them to accept the cup with me. Um, and uh, I'm sure they would have done the same thing if I was the guy on the on the sidelines. And to be able to play in that game. Game six, we didn't want to go to game seven because we knew Patrick Waugh uh, was there. And Mike Vernon at that point had probably outplayed Patrick. 
And we go into game six. Uh, uh, it's a close game. Uh, it's 1-1. And I take a dumb penalty. Uh, I missed a scoring chance and try and get the puck back, hook uh, Bobby Smith along the boards. I'm in the penalty box, uh, being a good Catholic boy, saying uh, 400 Hail Marys, uh, <laughs> praying they don't score. Come out of the penalty box, and uh, Jamie McCowan uh, still accuses me. It should have been his goal because I jumped in front of him on the rush. And he passes it up the middle. Uh, Hawk and Lube carries it over the blue line, throws it over to Neuendijk, and Neuendijk whips it all the way back across in one motion through Chelios's stick in his skates uh, right onto my stick. And we knew if Patrick Walk came from side to side, you had to go top shelf. And when that baby went in, all I wanted, like, blow the whistle, end the game, like, let's go home. Well, then your we childhood had a, dream, right? Oh, my gosh. We had, a, yeah. we had another period and a half to play. And fortunately, we found a way. Dougie Gilmore scored uh, the third goal and the empty net goal uh, to to uh, solve it. I, I can, if you ever get a chance to watch the the final two minutes. Uh, oh, yeah, uh, I have. Yeah. So I'm standing on the bench with Joe Newendike and Gary Roberts. We're holding hands. We're all good Catholic boys, and. Yes. We're laughing at each other, crying, and when Gilmore scores, we're hugging each other uh, and back to saying Hail Marys, uh, and then over the boards we go. It was unbelievable. Yeah, and we we were fortunate. We had Dougie Gilmore on this year too, and and I asked him, I says, when you put that empty netter in, did you know it was over? And he says, no. He, and he <laughs> said the weird thing was, is he said, he said Montreal never pulled their goalie. So he's, no, it, it, so, it was it was crazy. Uh, they just had a belief that they could win, and no one ever had won on form ice. So I think they were, in some ways, kind of stunned that we actually were finding a way to get it done. Yeah. So what's the what's going through your mind when Dougie puts that empty netter in? Are you feeling it's over? Or are you like they could come back? we're cautioning each other like we're we're settled down hey. overjoyed but still like this is the montreal canadians and this is the form and i gotta say when it finally ended and the fans were unbelievable they had never seen think about it they had never seen another team win on form ice and they stayed and clapped and cheered that it was a great series. And I yeah. have always appreciated that and tried to let the Montreal fans know how much it meant to our team that the building wasn't empty. Uh, they all stayed to, uh, to watch the celebration. That's awesome. And, and so did you know at that point, like, like you, you see the picture behind me, you see the picture behind clay at, at that point, were you like, I'm done. My career is over. And this is the storybook ending it deserves. You know, I always believed that John Beliveau uh, in, I think it was 71 when he retired and they won the cup that he could have played three or four more years. And I thought, wow, what a way to go. 
And to be able to walk away from the game after 16 years, uh, scoring 500 goals. Uh, and by the way, they call it the 500 club. Why do people waste time and get 502 or 503? Yeah. Uh, it's the 500 club. So I should be an extra star for that one. <laughs> there you go. No, that's amazing. And, and, and what a, what a cap to your career and, you know, at, and, and thank you for winning that cup as a Flames fan here or else, you know, I'd never hear the end of it from all these Oiler fans, uh, you know, well, thank, at least thank we have goodness one. for both of us. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Um, so you mentioned Mike Vernon uh, standing yeah. on his head and you just recently were able to make a really special call to him. How was that? Mike thought I was calling about a golf game and, and, and I said, uh, it, he calls me Lars, like Colin Patterson started it. It's not, they used to call me Larry. Uh, it got shortened to Lars and Hey, Lars, what's up? And I said, well, uh, just calling, see how you're doing. And, and he said, well, like, what's going on there? Are we playing golf or what? And I said, no, Mike, this is the reason I'm calling. Wow. Wow. Holy shit. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> and he did that about 10 times. And he just, as much as you want it, you don't believe it until it actually happens. Correct. And yeah. I, I talked to him again uh, the next day and it, he was so thankful, uh, so appreciative um, that it had finally uh, happened. Well, when well deserved, you look at, right? yeah, when you look at his career, he's in the top ten of every category. Yeah. Uh, won two Stanley Cups, uh, won the Conn Smythe, and could have probably won two. Uh, so richly deserved uh, to be the one of the newest members in the hockey hall of fame such a great story uh, i just i just want to quickly talk to you about the current state of the calgary flames too um yep. you know there's there's so much going on about you know players don't want to play in calgary and the american players are leaving because they don't want to be in calgary what do you have to say to that what do you have to say to to people who think calgary is not a great place to play well uh I have to go all the way back to 89 and to have in our alumni 154 uh, NHL players either live in the city or just outside and nine guys from the Stanley Cup team live in the city. And there was so much happened in the last couple of years, uh, a little bit of controversial uh decisions uh, coaching wise uh, that probably helped uh, uh, players um, make up their minds uh, like Johnny Goudreau didn't want to play there uh, even though he told everyone he loved playing for Daryl he goes to Columbus and as soon as he goes Matthew Kachuk decides I'm out of here because they were kind of the top two players I thought Brad Trey Living should have got general manager of the year for just the trade he made uh, for Matthew Kachuk. 
in getting Huberdeau. And yes, Huberdeau had a tough year. But when you've played with uh, Barkov as long as he did uh, in in uh, the Panthers organization and uh, Uyghur, and Uyghur, in my opinion, is the next Rasmus Anderson. He is he is playing at the top of his game right now. He's probably found his game uh, ahead of where uh, Huberdeau is. Huberdeau will be a much better uh, player next year. I know he had some challenges uh, with Daryl, and he's a proud guy, and he'll want to be uh, even better. Um, and I think finding a way to uh, get both Backland uh, re-signed uh, and, uh, and uh, Lindholm, uh, that will be the key. But to also... Uh, to also uh, stock up on defense, uh, having uh, uh, Schillinger come back uh, after a year uh, off uh, uh, and staying in Sweden uh, will be a big boost to the defense. And if you have to trade Hannafin, uh, then you do it, but on your own terms, not on his terms. Yeah, and Craig Button just told us the same thing when he was on too. You know, you, you know, that's that's fine. You want to trade, but it's going to be on my terms, right? So, absolutely. Um, and, yeah, and so so, and then Jerome McGinley back in the organization. How do you feel love about it. that? Uh, love it. Uh, any guy that scores five hundred goals uh, in one organization and is loved and admired for not only what he he did on the ice but how he treated people off of the ice um yeah. was absolutely wonderful and to have him back uh being kind of connie's eyes and ears and when i say connie uh uh craig conroy and i think that'll be a a great one-two punch uh they added dave nonus because he had experience in both vancouver and toronto so that'll be a, a good fit. And you know what? I think we will be absolutely uh, fine. Uh, I really like Ryan uh, Huska, the, the new coach. Uh, he's a lifer. And he's surrounding himself with good people. And, yeah, it's, it'll be a fresh start for a whole lot of people. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah, and it's 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 it was almost like a silver lining for Flames fans seeing Jerome come back for sure this season. You know, it was just it kind of seemed like bad news after bad news after bad news, and then you know Craig Connery gets hired, Jerome McGinley's back, and you know it's it's almost like a comforting thing, right? So well, it it really is, and like I said before, what a class act, um, and I texted him as as soon as. Uh, uh, the announcement was made, uh, said, can't wait to uh, either take you out for lunch or uh, buy you a coffee or a beer. And awesome. he said, can't wait myself. Uh, look forward to seeing you. Yeah. Yeah. He's, uh, we got to, I got to meet him uh, here at the, at the John Reed Memorial Tournament in, in St. Albert. And uh, we asked him if he wanted to do an interview. And that was the most polite way of, denying the interview and all respect him on not wanting to do one, but just a stand up person and, uh, you know, a stand up uh, individual. And, and that goes from his whole entire family. Everyone's like that in his family. So 
Well, and and he's he's having a great time uh, coaching his kids and watching his kids grow up. Uh, and I think it's a great way to get him uh, oriented into the organization without having to be there uh, each and every day. Yeah. Uh, so he can enjoy his kids and family uh, while still being a part of it. Yeah, exactly. Phil, do you have anything else or... I just have a I have a couple of fan questions. Uh, we yeah, asked our Mets fans it. if they if they had any questions. So I got a couple. So um, Paul asks. He says, "What was your favorite rink to play in, and why?" Uh, bar none, uh, Montreal Forum. Not only because we won there, but the, I was actually at the the closing of the forum. And I was standing on the ice, I think, for an hour and a half while they introduced all their Hall of Famers. And it was the ovations got louder and louder. And when Belleville come out and and uh, Richard come out, uh, uh, it was crazy. Boom, boom, Jeffrey on, uh, like Ganey, Robinson. That list went on and on. So that was my all-time favorite rink. But I was lucky enough to play in all six of the original uh, uh, rinks. Uh, The Rangers, uh, Boston, Detroit, uh, and scary buildings to play in if you're the opposition. Uh, But so much fun uh, going to Chicago uh, in downtown uh, Chicago. uh, That was a treat and a half, uh, let me tell you. But... Best fight I ever saw uh, was uh, in the stands in Chicago. It took up a whole section, and they had to turn out all the lights and bring the police in from outside to break up the fights when it was completely dark. And the game was held up for like 20 minutes while they got order restored and then dropped the puck again. Oh, that's good. Uh, So Paul also asked, uh, do you like... Uh, the NHL rule changes uh, that are in effect now as opposed to when you played? Why or why not? Uh, You know what? The game is evolving and changing. Uh, Like, I I wasn't sure if I'd even like uh, where they eliminated the red line, but the speed of the game and the size uh, of the players and the actual skill level of the players at this point is phenomenal. They're they're uh, probably on average uh, two to three inches taller. Like you look at the goaltenders. Uh, if you're not six foot six, poor Mike Vernon would have never even got a start uh, <laughs> at that point. Uh, but goaltenders are absolutely massive. Defense uh, and and the forward skill level. You in the old days, my days. Um, you had four or five guys that could really shoot the puck. And nowadays, every guy can shoot the puck. They've got howitzers. And yes, the equipment is better, but they're just better players and better skill uh, all the way through. Okay, I got two more for you. Okay. Um, my, I got my brother, Tim, wants to know uh, your favorite person to notify that they were making the haul. Well, that would be uh, 
Barnan uh, Rogi Vashon, who waited 37 years to get that call. And when you think about uh, Rogi uh, winning two cups in Montreal, going going to uh, uh, going to L.A. and as good as as good as uh, the the big line of Marcel Dion, Dave Taylor, uh, and Charlie Simmer were, it was really Rogi that really established being there in in uh, the L.A. area, and that's the biggest reason why San Jose and Anaheim are now in the league. Good, perfect answer. And then uh, my brothers are Oilers fans, unfortunately. So my other brother, Rob, wants to know, how scary was it playing against the Oilers in their heyday? They were as afraid of us as we were of them. Not a boy. That's what I like to hear. You you know, the, the funniest part was, you could walk into the building uh, in the old Coliseum in, in Edmonton and you would walk by each other, would not even look at each other, like didn't even make eye contact. Uh, and even after the game, like nothing. Uh, sometimes you'd meet up at a charity event in the summer and you'd cordially, oh, hi, how's it going? Uh, <laughs> say hello. But other than that, there was no contact whatsoever. And the nature just got bad, eh? Oh, like, it was awesome. Like, strap them on, boys, because here we go. Uh, game on. Yeah. I love it. Nice. That's so awesome. What a great question. Yeah, that's it. That's it for me. We're gonna I'm gonna pass the puck here over to, to Bosco to, to bring us home here for the for some really important stuff here. So um, so Lenny, uh, thanks for your time. Obviously we went over a bit here, but, uh, just one oh, final, good. one final, uh, uh, comment from you, obviously, uh, August uh, 8th and 9th in Red Deer, uh, the central Alberta child advocacy center, uh, golf tournament, uh, the battle of Alberta is back on. We had Ron on not too long ago, Ron McLean, and he's going to be the, uh, MC of the event. Uh, um, you know, with COVID we've, we've lost, uh, the chance of having these, but now that, uh, things are somewhat back to normal and, um, we're having the opportunity to have these events again. And I know that you've been a part of them in the past, but, uh, you know, can you speak of what that, uh, that golf tournament means? And, and you touched about the flames alumni earlier and, and how, uh, how awesome it is and, and the events because the central Alberta child advocacy center is very near and dear to our hearts here at the two months podcast, uh, as we help out with donations, um, with them and we love what they do and and it's important to have something like that in our community and as brent sutter said earlier it's unfortunately we have that in our community but it's important that we do for the for the need that the kids that the support that the kids need but your thoughts on the tournament well that the tournament and the organizers are absolutely phenomenal um it, it's so much fun and uh, now that our playing days are over to come together uh, as teammates a different kind of teammates uh, trying to make a difference in other people's lives. And Curtis Glencross, who is a big part of Red Deer and uh, the Child Advocacy Center, as well as uh, as Sheldon Kennedy uh, in Calgary, 
have done such great work uh, in in getting the word out there, uh, trying to uh, not only be responsible, but encourage other people to to get into the game, get off the sidelines into the game and get the building finished. uh, And and because the need is so great uh, and so important and to be able to do that uh, uh, and read. Deer is so special. Uh, we kid each other all the time. Do you live on the north side uh, of the river or the south side? Uh, and then you got Phil, who lives all the way up uh, in Edmonton, and he even braves the storm and wears uh, uh, oil, uh, wears flame skier. Hundred uh, percent. Yeah, Red Deer is a very special. Uh, community and they raise a ton of money uh i'm sure they're going to go over a million again this year uh and can't wait to be a part of it that's that's uh very well said and a great way to end uh an amazing interview with an amazing person and uh uh, something we live by a quote is make a difference, not just a living. And, uh, that, that was said very a lot uh, during this interview and, uh, thanks for, uh, making a difference in all of our lives, Lenny, and, uh, all the best to you, your beautiful wife, your beautiful family, and, uh, cheers to, uh, to keep going here, man. Uh, thank you so well, much. Well, I thank you guys very much and don't hesitate. You've got my number call, yep. uh, anytime. And I'll look forward to uh, coming back on the show when the first Euler Flames game happens and Oilers go down. Yeah, exactly. yeah let's go. <laughs> are, you gonna, go. are you coming up for the Heritage Classic, Lanny? Oh, I'm sure. Uh, yeah. I got to get I got to get through the Battle of Alberta first, and yeah. then we'll worry about that next. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, for sure. Uh, thanks, Lanny and uh, Phil. Uh, Clay, do you guys want to add anything and say any comments before we sign out? Delaney here. Any final no, I mean, um, the the big boys did their work in the States, but growing up in, in Alberta and watching the Battle of Alberta as a 10, 11, 12, 13-year-old, um, and, and then watching you, you've been an ambassador for the game of hockey for, for Canada since I was a kid and that's my own opinion. And this I'm in awe right now, but, but thank you. And go and enjoy a nice dinner, grab a red wine and, and, and you, you and Ardell, best wishes to both of you. Well, thank thank you very much, uh, guys. You take care. Have a great rest of the summer. Look forward to talking again. Thank you.